0: Well, it's something of a post-game show here this week on Waking the Red weekly presented by Footy Talks as we just watched Tronov FC's nil-nil draw with the New England Revolution. Thank you for joining us, whether that's on Waking the Red or Facebook or, of course, in our live Zoom audience. Feel free to ask questions throughout the show and make comments throughout as uh, we bring our guest on just in a moment here. Uh, Michael Leach of 680 News will be the guest today. I'll... Join us from uh, Greg Vanny's press conference where you know he'll give us some insights into what Tronoff's his coach thought of the final group game for the Reds. Um, but just before we get there, guys, um I guess I'll introduce you Jeffrey Nesker first wearing his uh, kit with a star. Love to see it.
1: Hey.
0: Happy to be here. And
1: Michael Singh how are you? I'm good, Mitch. Thanks for having me. That's probably the dullest introduction I've heard from Jeffrey P. Nesker. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, I guess maybe, he's saving uh, it for uh, yeah no. for the game. We're breaking it down. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I think that I think that game might have taken some energy out of all of us, the players, <laughs> you know, us, uh, j- just about everyone involved in that game. It it did seem like there was uh, you know not the most energy for a nine a.m. game, but. Um, uh you know, before we get to that game, before we get to Michael, I just wanted to get uh, quickly your guys' thoughts on the group stage as a whole for Toronto FC. I think, um, you know, a, a lot of wild storylines, but in, in the end, you know, it looks like they could win their group. They're top currently. Uh, DC would need a pretty masterful performance tonight against the Montreal Impact to uh, secure that top spot. So uh, I guess we'll start with you, Michael. What were your quick thoughts here?
1: Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, it just it kind of sucked the life out of everybody watching that game um and it looked like the players included were in on that with uh, this 9 a.m start um Vanny kind of touched on it in the post game there is that these teams start off really hot they go for it and then by sort of the second half you start to see them kind of burn out it's a common trend he said throughout the tournament so I think we saw a little bit of that today and uh the result probably was a product of that
0: yeah, absolutely, Jeff. We'll we'll get your thoughts on just a moment. So uh, get your carbohydrate snack ready. We'll have your well, look. We'll need you have to have energy <laughs> later on in the show. But uh, we are joined now by our guest this week, Michael Leach of Six Eighty News and One Soccer as well. Uh, Michael, how are you doing?
2: Hey, not bad, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a bit of a, and Vanny said it as Michael alluded to the the nine a.m. games. And all of them throughout the entire tournament have really been a, a tough slog, so um, you know for them to see this out, knowing that really they only needed a draw just to get through to the knockout stage is uh, is is probably uh probably the best they could have hoped for to uh, you know on the day today
0: yeah i guess uh I guess you mentioned some of them, but your, your general thoughts on that match you know it was certainly lacking the drama drama we've seen from the rest of the tournament, but um you know uh, Again, not a bad result for Toronto FC, even even if it wasn't maybe the the result they wanted.
2: No, I mean it's it's not the result they wanted. Although I think I think Vanny was happy with the clean sheet. Uh, I think that he said in in his availability after the game that that was important for the group to get that. Obviously, they started strong as they have in the previous you know two games before today. One thing though that we've seen with this group. Uh, that could be a bit of a concern. I don't know whether it's the schedule, which could be a problem, but they start strong and they start to fade as the game goes along. They were not not as good as they were in the first half against D.C., and the same could have been said today. They very easily could have been nicked for a goal. Uh, you know, Bono making a big save there in the second half. Had a couple of moments that were a little bit nervy in the second half that they didn't have in the first half. Um, I wonder that's something that we're going to have to watch as this tournament goes on is how TFC um, plays into the game as it goes along. Do they start to push forward more or will they start to, you know, fall back a little bit as, as the game
1: progresses? Mike, are you getting some sun right now or what?
2: (laughs) Actually, there's a lot of cloud cover and yes, I am. I am out on my deck. It's cocktail o'clock <laughs> I I love have, that. It's my Saturday. There's, there's <laughs> nothing left for me to do today. So,
1: uh, cheers. <laughs> I love to see it. It's mad. Yeah. It. You, you it.
3: love to see it, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mike, honestly, I want to I want to get your thoughts on keeping that clean sheet. How important was it for the Reds, you know, walk away with that zero there, especially with, you know, maybe Alex Bono in that,
2: uh, it was huge. I mean, and, and, you know, as you, uh, you know, you heard Vanny earlier in in the uh, after in the post game availability that uh, both he and uh, goalkeeper coach John Conway wanted to make sure that they got Bono a game in this tournament. So this seemed like a good spot to get him in. Vanny said on Sunday, in sort of the lead up to this match, that he had sort of been happy with where his team was at, with the exception of the defensive portion of the game. They obviously allowed the two late goals against DC and then the game against Montreal was just a wild back and forth. So for them to put the clean sheet together today, I actually think dependent on what happens tonight with, with Montreal and DC, I actually think the clean sheet was probably the most important thing that comes out of today because they really needed a a performance at the back to sort of give me a sense that their whole game could potentially round together as the tournament
1: goes along. Yeah, that'll definitely help that they add Josie Altador and Jonathan Azario go move forward to the offense. So it was important as Vanny said to secure that that back line there and shut him down. Uh, Jeff, I don't know if you have a question there.
3: Well I mean my the, the question I've got, you know, is, is sort of become my uh my MO for these uh for these chats. I'm going to uh do a little inside the actor studio and take it macro, Michael. <laughs> uh uh you know, we've been following you on the TFC beat for a long time, so I have a one question, and it's the it's the background. You know, what attracted you to this crazy business? And then my follow up, we uh, all save.
2: Uh, what attracted me to this crazy business? <laughs> um, uh, you know, full disclosure, I you know, uh, the station I work for we have uh, we've done surveys of our listeners throughout and one thing that we found is actually the number one sport cited by our listeners is not hockey it's actually soccer and we didn't have anyone that could do that so my news director who was my editor at the time asked me if I would take it on and it it my first actual assignment was the uh the CONCACAF Champions League uh, quarterfinal against LA Galaxy back in 2012. So one of my first assignments was going and standing in front of David Beckham and asking him questions. And it's just really – it's kind of gone from there. Um, And, I I mean, I love it. I enjoy it. So, um, I mean, what's not to be attracted to, really?
3: True enough. True enough. And then my follow-up is how has this uh, pandemic uh, changed – the specifics of your job and and what's been the most challenge i have to wear yeah. a mask at work <laughs> <laughs> i have to wear a
2: mask at work uh no it's uh, yeah i i work at 680 news our studios are in the rogers headquarters and typically on any given monday through friday there would be 5 to 6000 people in that building on on any given monday or tuesday like today or it, we 're down to about a hundred people, and most of them are on the broadcast side. We have as many people working from home as we can, which has made producing live radio interesting at times, but we 've made it work. And I think one of the things throughout this pandemic has really been about being able to adapt, and that 's one of the big things, I think, about this MLS 's back tournament as well, and it will be the same thing for other sports as we go forward is being able to adapt to the ever-changing situations. And we saw with TFC, they originally had the game against D.C. was scheduled for a Friday, got moved to a Sunday, then had to be moved sort of very much at the last minute because of some testing anomalies and a positive test, gets moved to a Monday, and so on and so forth. It's dealing with those situations. And for TFC to come out of this potentially winning the group with five points – Given all of the, the travel hassles and everything that has gone on, I think it shows the resiliency of the group, and I also think it shows how good they truly can be. When people are talking about Columbus right now. They're talking about Philadelphia. They're talking about Orlando. A lot of those teams have had maybe – I, I don't want to say an easy ride. None of this is easy it, like, for anybody. Say it, Say it. But TFC have had a lot more variables to deal with. So the fact that they're through – And seemingly getting a little bit stronger with each passing game, I think should provide fans with some measure of encouragement.
0: And on the MLS bubble as a whole, no positive tests uh, for the last three testing cycles for either players or staff. So it seems like, you know, after the initial kind of, pandemonium of, of what happened there and obviously uh, still not ideal that two teams couldn't compete in this tournament but it seems like MLS did a decent enough job at getting things under control and you know um, returning the focus to, to the field itself away from um, any virus related chat but um, we do have a comment from, from the chat here which is that Toronto FC could have used the full three points for the remainder of the season um, which, which I guess is something that you know, uh, in, in some ways has gotten lost in all of this is, is that these are still regular season points and, um, you know, drop points for the third time for Toronto FC. Again, it, there's, there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it as they still haven't lost in, what is it, 15 mm-hmm. regular season games now dating back to last season. Uh, but there's also the fact that, uh, you know, three draws so far this year and uh, three games that I think Toronto FC would have fancied themselves to win as well.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, but Vanny mentioned it. Anyone that had, that takes issue with the way that these 9 a.m. games have gone needs to go down to Orlando, play at 9 o'clock. As the, the temperature and the humidity start to build throughout the day there, it's uh, we're not talking about normal games. And I know these points count for the regular season. I'm not sure whether they should because this whole thing is – I mean, it's worked out well and there have been a lot of entertaining games, but those entertaining games with goals and sort of maybe more predictable results have happened at night this morning. And I tweeted it out before the game that, that both teams needed just a point to secure advancement to the round of 16. Keep that in mind as the game goes on. And certainly I think that definitely for Toronto became the mindset is let's just see it out to 90 minutes get the draw, move on, and deal with what we have to deal with from there on. The three points, obviously, you want it, but I think getting a result here and getting a clean sheet was probably even more important than that today.
1: Yeah, that's, that's some very good points you made there. Um, now, just looking ahead, uh, you spoke about a few other teams there in the tournament. TFC, they're going to finish one of the top two teams in Group C, top two seeds, is there a team out there you kind of want to avoid if you're TFC moving into that next round?
2: I don't think there's a team out there that they'd be afraid of, but I, I will tell mm-hmm. you, and I, I saw someone say they they weren't too thrilled about this possibility. I would love to see TFC play Seattle again. I really, <laughs> really would. In, in a winner-take-all, winner advances, loser goes home. Why not? And, like, this we 've seen them on each other's fields. Why not give it a shot on a neutral site at, at this point in time? I think that would be I think that would be as, as far as storylines go that would be, that'd be outstanding
1: <laughs> It's already pegged in for the finals, so I, 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 I'm sorry to burst your bubble there
3: Mike <laughs> uh, mike we've been talking a lot about uh, uh, the uh, you know the the adaptability that's necessary with respect to uh, playing professional sports. Um, you know, MLS has a plan to continue the season in markets uh, after this, make the, you know, after the MLS's back tournament, considering what just went down with the Blue Jays. Do you think there's a snowball's chance in hell that TFC and MLS is going to be able to play? Uh, the Canadian sides are going to be able to participate in an in-market tournament. Uh, in the near
2: future, I would say no. Because if the government makes that decision and, and, you know, we can get into the the ethics of all of these things, should we be playing sports in this time, particularly in the United States? I think there are valid arguments both ways. Do I think the Blue Jays should have been able to play at the Rogers Center? If you're going to allow the NHL to come here and bring the teams into a bubble here – They would have been cohort quarantining at the Rogers center. I don't know whether it would have, I don't know whether the blue Jays playing here would have been any significant threat to public health. But the fact that the blue Jays decision was made by the federal government has to send up smoke signals to TFC impact and, and Vancouver as well as MLS that any thought of playing games in the Canadian cities at this point in time is a non-starter. That doesn't mean that it couldn't be different in a month or two, but certainly if they come out of MLS's back and MLS says, Hey, we're going to restart our season, August 25th, just a random date. Mm-hmm. I would have to think at this point, there's no way they'd be playing in Canadian markets. They, they would have to find alternatives for, for those teams uh, in terms of where they'd be playing.
3: Do you think MLS would even? Oh, sorry. Do you think MLS would even extend the uh, the invitation to find an alternate uh, place to play, or do you think, considering how uh, it went down for Nashville and FC Dallas, the league would just chalk it up to COVID and and play the tournament without the Canadian sides?
2: No, I think they would. I think they would extend an opportunity for the three Canadian teams to find a place to play. They might. They might have to all play in the same place. Mm-hmm. You never know. Uh, but I do believe MLS would extend the opportunity the, the situations with FC Dallas and Nashville SC were completely different. Those teams obviously, and, and Vanny said it before the tournament even began, he said those teams went down there and they had not been doing what they needed to do while they were in their own markets to protect their own safety. They kind of, what happened to them, although it seems very unfair on the surface Decisions were made within those clubs by players, by staff members that put their teams at risk. And by allowing those play, those teams to stay in the MLS's back bubble and play games puts other teams at risk. The other teams didn't want to play against any either one of those teams. So you have no choice at that point. You either cancel the entire tournament or you allow those teams to play or – you withdraw them from the tournament. What we're dealing with with TFC and with uh, Montreal Impact and Vancouver poses no threat to the health of other players and other staff members. So I think the situations are very, very different in that respect.
0: Yeah, just a quick point I wanted to make on that in terms of, you know, even if they can convince, um, you know, the the feds to, to bring it back to Toronto, we've seen how conservatively Vancouver's Dealt with uh, NBC in general has dealt with this pandemic. I mean, uh, they wouldn't even let the NHL go there, right? In their bubble concept. So um, that would be the you know, even if they can get Toronto, even Quebec um, on board, it, it would be probably be pretty difficult to get Vancouver um, to to accept games coming in there. So um, that's that's something to certainly watch going forward, and, and will be very interesting. But uh, Mike, I wanted to ask about the the knockout stage now, as as we move on for Toronto FC. Um, what are the biggest keys here? Because we, we've had a little bit of a sample size of what Toronto FC can do, um, what the positives have been so far for them, um, but also, you know, what do what do they need to improve on here and make sure they're they're doing in the next couple rounds um, to to you know go all the way, as I'm sure will be the team's goal.
2: I think one of the first big keys is that there will be no more 9 a.m. games. That's that's a that takes <laughs> it out of you, and I don't know what effect that will have on them as they progress through this tournament. They now will have a couple of days to sort of rest and recuperate, regen out of this game. But, you know, another thing is they're going to definitely want Osorio back. They miss his edginess in midfield. And I don't know if I can find a better term to use than that sort of Osorio plays with a real chip on his shoulder. And I think that filters out throughout the group. There were a couple of... Not necessarily full games, but there were definitely moments throughout these three games where TFC looked really, really passive in midfield and allowed the opposition a little bit too much leeway through, through midfield. And I think at points, that cost them. Um, certainly, matchups are going to be key. But, uh, you know, Vanny got an opportunity to take a look at some of his young players. Obviously, Akinola has been uh, maybe a little bit of an aberration Coming out of this group stage, but I think really for them is that they, they, they want to get Asorio back. The scheduling of the games is now different uh, you know and, and the other big factor is just putting together a full ninety minute
1: performance in all areas of the park. Mm-hmm. you make some good points there, Meg. I think the biggest key to Tron FC's success this season, even last season, looking back at it, was their ability to be really difficult to play against in the midfield. And he's, like you said, Marky Delgado, Jonathan Ozoria and Michael Bradley are all key components of that. But Vanny has been comfortable putting Alejandro Pazuelo kind of at that top of the the number 10 there at the center attacking mid. Um, do you think he stays there when Jonathan Ozoria returns?
2: It's a good question. Um, I mean, I think, I think Pazuelo's looked really good in that position. I don't know whether Vanny will we'll change things up at this point. I think continuity is a big thing, so I don't know whether I would expect Puzuelo, um to move from that position uh, going forward in this tournament. It's, it's hard to say at this point in time because you really don't know. Um, although Osorio might be available to come back, will he be at 100%? Chances are he probably won't be. So you might actually look at Osorio coming on more in a second half, sort of add energy to the group if it starts to droop um, more than anything. But yeah, I mean, Pozuelos good. look good in that position, particularly he and Piatti uh, have really found a bit of a chemistry there.
1: Yeah, that looks like it's going to be a lot of fun this year with Yeah, uh, Pozuelo and Aro down that right side. Um, kind of building off that, when when Azorio does come back, say he is fully fit, is it possible that maybe we see him on the left wing there to replace Ubasa Endo, who's actually done pretty fairly in his, his few starts there?
2: Uh, it's possible. I'm again. I'm not sure how how Vanny intends to use Asorio once he comes back. Mm-hmm. He's going to need to get guys like now. Piatti's come off uh, in these games. Um, Endo didn't play today. So how you know how Vanny chooses to use the resources going forward as the games because we're we're talking about four months off here. They've played three games in I think about eight days. Uh, the games are still going to be coming quick and fast, so I really still think there's going to be a lot of movement within the lineup. He's going to try and keep it consistent as much as possible, but I, I it's possible that Asorio could be used out on that left side. I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure how Vanny envisions setting things up because he's been he's been prone to make some interesting decisions that have sort of left us <laughs> scratching our head. Some have
3: worked, some haven't. Yeah, for sure. It's a good problem to have, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael, beyond TFC, uh, who, what teams are your other favorites? What, what teams you got your eyes on in this tournament?
2: Right now, I think Philadelphia is a team to really look out for. Orlando, too, oddly enough. They, mm-hmm. they really seem to have found... I don't know whether it's form or whether they just feel comfortable in the environment or or what the case may be. But Orlando has really kind of impressed me. LAFC, though, after that second half they had against the Galaxy, and I know the Galaxy have some issues. (laughs) I really kind of have to look at, at LAFC as maybe the team to beat. If they're on their game, they look absolutely unstoppable to me. Well, I'd that's without Carlos for- Velo. Com- yeah, exactly. That's without Carlos mm-hmm. Velo. I'd completely forgotten that they had gone out and gotten BWP. Yeah. I mean, and like <laughs> like like, like yeah, it's, it's an, just embarrass- not fair. It's it's an not embarrassment fair. of riches yeah. for Bob Bradley out there yeah. for
3: sure. Absolutely. Diego Rossi yeah. also uh, having himself oh, yeah. the time.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah. How impressive has Deep BWP been? He looks like he's been playing with those guys for years. I mean, I guess for some of those guys, you know, you just have to tap in the crosses. But you know, such a smart striker in this league. But at any rate, Mike, uh, I think we'll let you go here. Um, enjoy the uh, the porch drinks. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we really I'm appreciate it. Cocktail o'clock,
2: boys. Cocktail o'clock.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Love it.
2: Thanks, Mike. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Anytime, yeah.
0: Yeah, thanks again to Michael Leach of Six Eighty News. Um, you know, some some good points there. I think the the one thing I wanted to to build up coming off of that is is you know a, a main point and a main takeaway from today's game, which is again energy levels for Toronto FC. and um, I, I think we we kind of touched on the the two different uh, aspects of that. You know, is it is it the nine a.m. games you guys think, or or is this something that Goes with having an older team that's playing quick back-to-back games with, I guess, surprisingly little squad rotation from Mike or from uh, Greg Banny during this. I know he, he certainly wanted to keep the consistency and it, it was good in some parts, but especially in the second half today, you know, you could see Toronto FC just, just fading very quickly and they were never really able to, to recover that throughout the half. I guess we'll start with uh, you on this, Jeff. Uh, I mean,
3: I love 9 a.m. games. But I don't like nine AM TFC games. I've discovered this this factor today. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm all for chaos and I'm all for the wake up coffee football. But that was uh, that was tough to watch. Um, you know, and also I feel like I jinxed it by uh, asking for a clean sheet on the prediction league. I, I like having a clean sheet, but a nil nil draw does me no good whatsoever. Um, I, I, I'm going to parrot everything you said, Mitch. I mean, we we all watched it. We could see a drop off, a precipitous drop off in uh, engagement, and uh, I guess awakenedness. Um, I mean, it was hot out there, and uh, it's early in the morning. And despite the fact that you know uh, Nick Delion was telling us uh, that they've been pretty uh, pretty strict with their with their training regimen and the times they get up in order to sort of Game the system. Uh, you could still
1: see uh, that uh, that they were they were gassed, uh, pretty much to a man. I was really impressed by the way Greg Vanney was able to throw out that consistency um, throughout this tournament. You know, Pablo Piatti. We, we heard load management coming into the tournament. What happened to that? Three starts in in eight days, as you said, there, Mitch. That's. Interesting. Interesting to say the least. Maybe things have evolved. Maybe they are more comfortable with his, his ACL. But either way, we'll take it. That's a great sign for Toronto FC to see him go out there. And, you know, he he wasn't that that eye-cutting today. There was a couple of times he lost the ball cheaply in possession. But what I did like from him was that he was going at it. He was trying to make stuff happen. And that's a good sign seeing it is as, as it is his third match in eight days. Um, as we see him, you know, move on with this team, get a little bit more settled in. I'm excited for what we see with that partnership between Pozuelo and Aro as well. Um, we could speak about that for days, but I, I like what I saw from Pablo Piatti. And I just like in general, what I saw from Greg Vanney and how he's, he's able to, you know, build a little chemistry here throughout the tournament.
0: Yeah, we're starting to see Piatti express himself as well a little bit. I think, especially early on when he had energy, we were seeing some back heel flicks and some fancy little things that he was, you know, pulling out of his his big bag of tricks right there. That that I thought were were very impressive. Um, Jeff, you look like you had a point before I. Uh... Uh, I mean, he was a bit flopsy today. I
3: mm-hmm. thought he I thought he went down a bit too easy at least <laughs> at least three or four times. Uh, that that's that was my thought on the on the PI. Also, um, I mentioned this in the chat, but was that the spider cam's gears? That sounds like somebody's getting tasered consistently. <laughs> like, t- did you not hear that? Like the, the obvious sound of someone getting tasered just constantly invading your, your ears during the game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there was I don't know, we've had some weird sounds throughout this MLS is Back tournament and it's it's always hard to figure out where exactly they're coming from especially <laughs> when they're yeah. getting muted every I mean that LA derby when when you know every 5 seconds someone was saying something you know they considered offside you could barely hear the commentators cuz yeah. they had to blip the sound I mean it's been pretty funny with the with the audio at this tournament and as they've been figuring out the all access, but not really all access aspect of it. Um, But yeah, no, that was, that was certainly a, you know, a bit of an interesting sound in in today's game and a bit of a background, but I did want to move on to um, Toronto (laughs) FC second game. The one we haven't talked about yet because it was in between these two shows against the Montreal impact. What a crazy game, you know, the game that currently has them top of the group, um, a, a game that I think they were dominant in, for the most part, um, probably, probably their best game overall all this competition, but still, you know, it was wild up until the, the last few minutes, wasn't it, Michael?
1: Yeah. Hey, it happened at nighttime, right? <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's the key takeaway there. Um, yeah, I got to kind of jog my memory back. It's only been, I know, four four days since I last played, I think. Um, mm-hmm trying to think yeah that was the Akinola game oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that I, yeah. I could go on for days about man <laughs> owe Akinola he showed that he can finish at the top level um we didn't see it a little bit today but he was still creating those chances um but against Montreal he had that finishing touch you know he had maybe maybe four or five chances that game but he slaughtered away three of them and mm-hmm. they're all clinical too so it was great to see him taking advantage there
3: yeah, that, that interplay on, what was it, the second goal? Richie scored the first one. So the, the sort of mm-hmm. tiki-taka between our, uh, our favored uh, combo of uh, new best friends, Pablo Piatti and Alejandro Pizzuelo, uh with Oro filling in as the third wheel was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> that, was, that was a beautiful run of play for that second goal. Yeah, that was
1: clinical, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we talked about it a little bit with Mike, but I, I really do think Alejandro Pozuelo has to stay at the number 10 position regardless of what you do with the players around him. I mean, again, that's what you you want your designated players as much as possible to be in positions where they are incredibly comfortable and that's, that's what you pay them to do. That's why you pay them the big bucks is, is you want them to be able to, you know, be your centerpieces and you build the rest of the team around those guys. And Pozuelo has been very clear that he wants to play the number 10 Um you know, throughout his entire time in Toronto. And we've seen him far less effective on, uh, you know, he's, he's he's a decent number nine, but it's not perfect uh, mm-hmm. because he likes to have those players who run in behind him. And that takes one of those players out of the equation generally. And mm-hmm. then on the wing, I mean, he gets lost out there. I think yeah, it's, just, it's just not ideal at all. So um, I, I think, you know, regardless of what Greg Vanney does, I think Alejandro Pozuelo has to play the number 10.
3: Yeah. I mean, he was, he was pretty gassed last year. And he didn't defend, uh, and I think that's why Vanny didn't want to put him in that ten because it it really exposed us. But uh, man, man's tracking back like an animal right now. So you know, I I don't see any. All signs point to yes. Like if he's if he's fit, he's in the
1: number ten role. Yeah, you make a good point. I think Pozzillo he said in his uh, his pregame press conference, I think it was leading up to this, that he feels a little bit more res- well rested. And I think, like you said, Jeff, we're seeing that in his legs. Uh, Yeah, he definitely has to stay at that number 10, though. I think five assists on the first five Toronto Seagulls. I think the next nearest person in this tournament has three assists, and that was LAFC, and they scored seven in one game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Alejandro Pazuelo is honestly making a a case for an early MVP bid at this tournament. Um, If TFC can go on here and make a deep run, I don't see any reason why not give it to Mm -hmm. him. He's he's so good. He is so good yeah absolutely Absolutely.
0: yeah continue to ask us questions if you have them in the chat um but yeah one one other thing uh, they're talking about this on footy talks weekly um the other show that of course happens on this network and Um, they had Nick Deleon on and he was talking about how much more of a leadership role we've seen from Pozuelo this year, Um, especially after that DC game, you know, being like, guys, let's move on. It's just one result. Uh, Let's just beat Montreal. And then we can, you know, kind of be rid of of that performance. And, um, you know, I think we've seen certainly a, a happier Pozuelo, a more engaged Pozuelo. And of course, like he was the captain for, um, for the Belgian League side before he got here, uh, camp, mm-hmm. it was Genk, right? Yeah,
3: Genk, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah okay. I can never. I always get them and uh, Jonathan Gent. David's club yeah. Gent confused. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Uh, but at, at any rate, he was a captain there, right? So he, uh, you know, he, he does have that leadership ability in him and um, I think that's incredibly important to see how engaged he's been with with the side so far um another thing obviously from that game and from today's game as well is is Richie LaRea playing over on the the left side now that uh, Toronto has so much synergy on that right side that they don't want to disrupt that but uh, I think that's been you know a solid enough look for him he wasn't he wasn't as engaged today I, I don't think um but at, at the same time you know I, I think that's great um you know great bit of flexibility from him too. Oh, yeah. you know first off you just started playing fullback last year and now he's playing on his offside i mean it's players like that that you know that when you mls championships absolutely because, you know in, in a salary cap league you need to kind of need to have that flexibility
1: We've I really him. liked sorry, yeah I really liked how Nick De Leon and Richard Raleigh, Larea were playing on that left side. They were kind of interchanging there were if Larea went forward Nick De Leon would drop back and he would play the left back role and vice versa if Nick De Leon was making a run forward or uh, Richard Larea would come back. And also at times Nick De Leon that left wing he'd kind of cut inside and give Larea that full wing just to go forward. And we saw a little bit of that in the first half obviously in the second half uh, DeLeon. Had to come on. Unfortunately, I didn't get an update on his status after the game, but we will get. Uh, I did get an update on Chris Mavinga's status, and it oh. seems like he's okay. So, yes. Greg Vanny said that he was he was okay there after the game. He said a, a lot of it was a product of him just wearing out over these days. He had made a, lot, a couple of long sprints towards the end there, and he thinks that's what you know caused sort of the the little hold up there, that little scare. Um, so, I mean, we'll see as things progress if, on his status, but at least that's good news there for the TSC yeah. front.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, on the lorea topic, I mean, how many Swiss Army knives does Greg Vanny have at his disposal now? Guys that have such utility in terms of positions that they can play, the sides that they can play on. These are great, great, great problems to have. You mm-hmm. know, you've got you've got two uh, wingbacks now that can alternate sides when necessary, which is pretty fantastic if you ask me
1: yeah yeah uh, i can, think like learn. i think it's nick DeLeon who can play wherever on the field mm-hmm. obviously Pozuelo can move around uh, richard larea now we can see he can play pretty much any position there on the field mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned there aro and aro can play right back left back i'm just thinking off the top of my head like where these guys can play pablo piatti we know he's capable of playing all across that front line there um Oh, has been played everywhere. Oh, so has been played player. everywhere. Yeah. Yep. So like you said, these are, this is a great, great problem to have for Greg Vanny. It's just where, where do you fit these guys in? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's, there's <laughs> it, it, a lot of options at least. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, the Christmas news is huge because that kind of brings me to our next topic, which has been the one issue for Toronto FC other than the aforementioned kind of switching off for for moments at a time. And I think that's been defending in transition. We saw that again today. Um, you know, caught with a flat line sometimes uh, on that one Alex Bono save, whether that was offside or not. That was that was too close um, to let. I, I can't remember exactly who that was who made the run in behind for.
3: I think for it was, England, for Gun-
0: was it Fagundes? I think it might have been. but Potentially, yeah. yeah. Either, either way, nice save from Alex Bonin. Shout out to him. Solid performance today, I thought. I think, he, you know, he showed why um, he still is a capable goalkeeper in this league. But at the same time, I, you know, that's been the one concern for Toronto see, this tournament is um, it, sometimes, and they have so many guys who love to get the ball and love to move offensively. And this, this has been an issue for years, dating back literally, I think, to, to 2018. Is when they get caught in transition, and we've heard how big these fields are. Obviously, the heat as well. Uh, that's the one thing going forward. I think that that strikes me as a massive concern, Michael. I guess uh, your thoughts on that?
1: First of all, yeah, shout out to Alex Bono. That that again for him to bounce back. He hasn't played a, a, a real game, and you know we can talk about that September game against Chicago. Where he came came in for 15 minutes at the end of the match, but he hasn't played a real game for almost a full year now yeah, I'm thinking yeah. about it and he's able to go out there and he's going make a couple of huge saves. He, there are times, you know, maybe he looks shaky. There are times where he didn't catch the ball the way we wanted him to, but at the end of the day, if you're going to th- be able to go out there and put up a zero, make a couple of big saves, you, you're giving your team a chance to win. And, you know, shout out to Alex Bono for doing that. Um, I guess, yeah, moving forward, the biggest questions will be there at the back line mm-hmm. and whether or not that depth, Will will have to be called into play, and if it does, who's it going to be, and are they going to be able to do the job sufficiently? And we'll we'll keep an eye on that.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think Westy would have made those saves if he had been given
1: the start today? I mean that the one where it came right across the net—that's a great save. You're holding your post. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's not. Alex Bono could have went anywhere in his net for, at that point, point. and for him to you know make himself big. Quinton is unreal. I mean, I'm not I'm never going to bet against Quinton Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But,
3: that's kind of his skill set, Bono, the, the shot stopping, right? Like yeah, the for cra- sure. The that, crazy, that's a good point. Yeah, so it's just interesting that he that he had so many opportunities to showcase
1: that today against if, New England. It, it, it felt like things were just going his way today. I mean, Yeah, was it couple, really did. There's a really, couple really bounces where... You know, the couple of shots just went slightly over his head and then trickled wide. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, that one where he reached back. It seemed like he really wanted to make sure that didn't go in thankfully it yeah, maybe <laughs> thankfully, he blew yeah, some yeah. to it, but
0: yeah. <laughs> it trickled wide, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's uh, on the whether Westberg would have made some of those saves. Um, I think some of them were, or at least that one, maybe was unique to Alex Bono's skill set. I think that's that's one yeah. of the things he does incredibly well. But at the same time, I think there was at least a couple saves or or chances Bono had to make saves that maybe were his own doing again with his distribution. He's certainly not as clean as. And we can talk about that potential Michael Bradley penalty as well that, that <laughs> came as a result of yeah. of um, you know a not not great play at the back from Bono and the rest of his Toronto FC teammates, but at the same time, I think at the end of the day, you know, if you're a goalkeeper and you're getting a clean sheet, that's that's job per- perfectly done. You can't really ask for for much more from him. The um, one thing,
1: sorry, yeah, the or, one yeah, thing I did want to add on that is just with Alex Bono and his distribution there, I think we saw a lot of Michael Bradley having to drop back into the box to come collect the ball Mm -hmm. with Quinton Westbrook at the back there. TFC have another player on the field, virtually another defender on the field. It's like a sweeper keeper. He has the ability to pick up, pick his head and pick up a pass in tight spaces under pressure. If he has to Alex Bono, I don't know if the team trusts him like that. And that's why we saw Michael Bradley dropping back a lot. Mm -hmm. And thus it wasn't as easy to break break the ball up because they have one less player to do so so yeah. um that is one you know product of alex bono appearing in the side even though he does give his chance to uh, his team a chance to win perhaps there's a little bit of leeway there uh, offensively the team's giving up too
3: yeah yeah the kj mentioned that during the broadcast he said that that the gaffer had told his team you know you can't play with alex the same way you do with that uh, with quentin so you know we got to we got to adopt more of a twenty seventeen kind of aesthetic, and I thought they were pretty successful with that. But yeah, I certainly noticed Bradley dropping into into a centre back position because it gives me hives every time he does it. So yeah. <laughs>
0: I wonder if another wrinkle to that was the fact that New England did an unbelievable job of marking wow. uh, yeah. Michael Bradley throughout that match. I mean, he was on the ball way less than we've seen him throughout the rest of the time. It opened up to Delgado to have a pretty good game, but I think going forward, that's something to watch because if if you can take Michael Bradley out of the game as, as well as New England did, um, Tronofsky has to find those same passes from you know other players. And I don't mm-hmm. know if Marquis Delgado can perfectly – um put that up so again that's that's maybe a case for you know having Jonathan Osorio back in yeah. there and what what he can do from there because yeah again uh, I think teams are going to start to sit on Bradley if they can find that that same success it's not an easy thing to do because Bradley has such good movement and he'll pop up into spaces um but again that that was uh, definitely an interesting wrinkle to this game that's actually um, a
1: strategy that TFC uses is take away that central midfield. And it starts with Marky Delgado when he presses. Mm. So it's kind of interesting to see a team turn that around and use that on TFC take away Michael Bradley because that's, point, that's yeah. where everything flows through. Yeah. Um, what you have to do essentially in that instance is do what Michael Bradley did, is either you drop back to your defensive line, play along their side, so you create that angle for your, your outlet, or you have to go forward and have someone else drop back into that space for you, like an Alejandro Pozuelo. Um so if a team does play like that, you'll have Ozo in the lineup who is just, who's really, really good at that. And like you guys said, I think that'll be a, a good benefactor if, if Ozo returns and he can yeah. kind of that plan a little bit but credit to to bruce arena there
3: yeah that's what i was going to say i mean bruce arena's coached Bradders for a a lot of years so if i if i was going to bet on one coach to know his weaknesses it would be brucey brucey right and i think that that the game plan was absolutely taking advantage of of how familiar bruce arena is with michael
0: bradley's game so I am far too afraid of Bruce Arena for someone to say "Brucey Brucey" on this show. So I apologize, <laughs> Mister Arena. <laughs> Please don't come after us.
1: Um,
0: although that was that was a fun, uh, you know, we we're t- talking about the audio during this game. It was pretty fun to hear Bruce Arena just yelling at the the yeah. entire game. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he had, had a game for the penalty. linesman. Oh yeah. man. Oh yeah, absolutely. No. Um, but uh, let's finish up the show here by looking ahead for Toronto FC. Um, obviously, a lot of permutations to still happen. A lot of them have to do with um, the impact game tonight against D.C. United. Of course, if D.C. United can win that by a couple of goals, they will win the group. And uh, that would mean Toronto FC play Philadelphia Union on Saturday, which is not a game I don't think anyone wants. Otherwise, it's Sunday and it could be Seattle again. We remember what happened last time Toronto FC played Seattle on a Sunday. Um, not not maybe the favorite memories of, of some of the guys in this chat, but, um, you know, what are your guys' thoughts going ahead for Toronto FC here? And, and I guess, again, we don't know exactly what it will look like, but, um, you know, a, a week off and, and some, some chances to, uh, you know, maybe rest here, Jeff.
3: I'd rather face Fry, who's kind of half and half right now, than Andre Blake, who's having himself a tournament. I mean, I think Philly's probably got the hottest goalkeeper in the, in the, of all the teams at uh, Disneyland. So, you know, again, uh, the, the standard rules apply. TFC is not going to be afraid of anyone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but personally, I'm, I would be more afraid of uh, Philly than Seattle.
1: Yeah. I'm, I honestly don't think TFC are afraid of anyone. Like give me Philly, give me Seattle. I think this team is going to show up on its day. I don't necessarily think I'm not going to guarantee a win or anything, but at oh, least, come on! I at least I at least can say that TFC are going to put in a, a strong effort in a strong fight. Um, if there's one team I don't want to face, I, it's it's got to be Seattle. For whatever reason, they have TFC's number. We've seen it too many times in the past. I think TFC can can produce in a result against Philadelphia. And I, yeah, I just I just want to avoid that West Coast team. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know what it is about those Sounders. Hmm. <laughs> They fight. Uh, I think I might, and they win. might
0: know what it is, but yeah, 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 that, really. yeah that, that's what it is, Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, as as Michael said, I think at least for this first round, I think Tronoff is probably the favorite in any game they're going into. They haven't trailed so far this season, so and we've seen what they can do in extra time. We don't want to talk about what happens when they go beyond extra time, uh, but we we've seen what they can yeah. do in in extra time in, in knockout games before. Um, just uh, one more question. It looks like uh, or a comment, uh, just yeah, are you, are you trying coach. to
3: read George's scroller. No, no, no. Just to, just <laughs> well, the, comment. the The first
0: yeah. one, I think he's mentioning, um, you know, the, all the preparation that Wetzberg puts into his, um, his ability to play is, you know, an outfield player almost to what, when Tronoff sees there and there was a video that Tronoff put out of him playing, um, footy ping pong i think it was him and aro against uh P- piatti and poswell which is nice to see the the two of them combining even even off the field looks like they're pretty good friends but yeah it's certainly as far as goalkeepers go on mls you know an incredible distributor to the ball um the other one is a mentioning that uh seattle is a coach versus coach battle players wise it's tfc all the way um yeah, I think, again, that, that's, that'll that's that be a fantastic matchup if it happens. Yeah. I think we're all hoping that it happens a little <laughs> bit later on in this tournament than the first <laughs> round. But, um, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun, certainly. And, and we've all been talking about the possibility of that happening. Um, one last question before we wrap mm-hmm. up here from Esteem. Um, was this enough of a run-up for Vanny to start Josie next match, or will he stick with Bacanola? who? That's
1: a, that's a that's a good question. Yeah. That's a like, Mensa a level question. Yeah, <laughs> no, I you're, you're going with Akinola again. If if I'm Coach Vanny, at least uh, he's shown through three games, he's at least creating opportunity, clear-cut opportunities, not just like half chance, like clear-cut opportunities. And most of the times, if you get that chance, like the one he had, maybe in the second half, where I think the 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 goalkeeper for New England there. He made a fantastic save with diving to his right there. It wasn't the best finish from Akinola, but it was still good enough to get that ball into the corner Mm -hmm. and um, credit to New England going the other way is he made, he made a good save. Um, So going back to that question. Yeah. I think we start Akinola and bring Josie off the bench if, if that necessary.
3: Yeah. Draw penalties on his first touch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not bad, not
3: bad. Yeah, not too shabby indeed. Yeah. Also, he looks like he ate the old Josie. He's like four times the size and just mean. He's so bulked up.
0: Yeah, it looks – yeah, I mean, again, the two of the, them together looked great. Um, mm-hmm. Akinola had a pretty decent game again today. Obviously, he didn't uh, finish the opportunities that he had. But uh, I think, you know, as, as Michael said, I think especially in a tournament format, you're going to want to stick with the guys who brought you. And Akinola has certainly brought Toronto FC to the mm-hmm. point where they are at. But I think we'll wrap up the show uh, there, Can guys. I just say Once, one oh, yeah, thing absolutely. before we
1: wrap up? I just want to yeah. give a quick shout-out to Noble Akello. You know, a little 20-year-old yeah, to turn 20 uh, yesterday. And, you know, he makes his first MLS match, a young Canadian midfielder. Uh, this is a guy that when TFC first got him, they were really excited about it. And they I, they still are really excited about him, really excited about what he can do. It's just he sort of dropped off a little bit. So it's nice to see him get his first, you know, MLS game under his belt. And he, he looked good. He looked solid in my opinion.
0: Yeah, again, a guy with, with Bundesliga interests in him. So um, certainly a player that uh, we'll, we'll be watching going forward. And as you said, a, a very solid debut and, and something to build on for young Novo Uh Thanks again, guys. Jeffrey, Michael, as always, Kevin Kennedy for producing the show in the background. Uh, and of course, Michael Leach 680 News for for joining us and hopefully well into the uh, deck cocktails at this point. You better <laughs>
3: be on round two. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, as, as always, thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, I guess it's time for knockout football now and until then see you next Tuesday, everyone.